trust the experts. We're all in this together. If it saves one life, raise your hand if you've heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual science of the pandemic. Follow the science on lockdowns and liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docu-series highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policy enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the Pandemic Data and Analytics Organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates. Follow the science on Lockdowns and Liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at The Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the Liberty Movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to briannicholshow.com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docuseries one more time. That's briannicholshow.com forward slash follow the science. We can become great at doing the the things that we do well, the things that are, we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have yeah. been amazing at doing that. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that piques interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. (laughs) Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Well, happy Sunday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, yes, another fun-filled episode. I am, in fact, your humble host for today's episode, and guess what? Yeah, that's right. We have another Sunday Candidate Highlight Series. I am so stoked because it's been far too long since we had a candidate here to have on said Sunday Candidate Highlight Series. But before we get started, I wanted to give a special shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, Jeremy Todd, and his amazing new program here on The Brian Nichols Show, Sell Liberty, which aired on Facebook Live and YouTube Thursday evening and then dropped here on The Brian Nichols Show this past Saturday. His first guest was VP candidate Spike Cohen, and what a great conversation it was. Also, awesome Q&A there with the audience, so if you did not get the chance to uh, catch it live, uh, make sure you go ahead and check out our episode there on Saturday. But yes, I mentioned we have a guest on the show for our Sunday Candidate Highlight Series, and it is one returning candidate, one Greg Mealy. He is running for governor of New Jersey, and now he has some candidates he's actually facing for certain 
One Governor Phil Murphy, Democrat, is running for re-election, and the Republicans have chosen Jack Cittarelli to be their nominee. Uh, and Greg is looking at both and saying, well, we got Phil Murphy and Phil Murphy Light, and he is making the case why he is not only the only option for a limited government approach in New Jersey, but for libertarians and Republicans across the board, if you want things to get better in a post-COVID world, then he is the only candidate really standing up and fighting back for you. So, with that being said, onto the show, Greg Mealy here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks, Brian. Glad to be here, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. Greg, thank you so much for returning to the program. Yes, you were one of our uh, past Sunday Candidate Highlight Series guests returning to the program. And, uh, folks, if you want to go ahead and learn all about Greg, check out our episode back in April of 2021 where you hear why Greg not only is running for governor of New Jersey, but specifically as a libertarian, but today things are starting to heat up in the, the political world. And with that, Greg is obviously out talking to the voters right now, top of mind issues. And uh, wow, last time we, we didn't have a, a Republican that was running. We only had the uh, the incumbent one, Governor Phil Murphy. But since then, the uh, their primaries have taken place and we have now Jack Cittarelli. He is the GOP nominee. So uh, now you know, Greg, who you're, you're going to be facing here in the uh, the elections in New Jersey, Jack Chirelli, Republican, Phil Murphy, Democrat. So, Greg, how about this? Let's do a quick reintroduction. Who are you versus those two gentlemen? And number two, why do you think you have a chance as a libertarian to take on these uh, these two traditional duopoly system party uh, establishment figures? I'll take the second one first just to say we always have the right, the ability and the capacity to take on these folks, uh, especially, I think, more and more. We have a situation where in New Jersey, especially for governor, we've had both sides of the aisle in power over the last several decades, almost alternating. And the reason they're alternating is because every one of them is worse than the one before. So now we're having a problem of, you know, how much worse can it be? Well, just keep watching. It's a train wreck that we have to stop. And uh, so, Yes, uh, I mean, Chitterelli was uh, going into the primary the favorite to win, and um, actually conservatives felt, felt very abandoned by that because uh, he is not conservative. Uh, so we have really kind of Murphy and Murphy light. That's one of the slogans we've been using this year. Uh, they're really the same thing. It's like the old sayings, you know, two, two sides of the same coin. So there is a big gap uh, where with uh murphy's uh mandates uh a lot of democrats have become disaffected and disenchanted because it's really going too far and it's really too dictatorial and on the other side almost all the conservatives have flocked to us over this year when jack got nominated they a bunch came to us when he picked his running mate who was more liberal than him even more came to us and um so we've been getting invited to a lot of events and uh been able to reach the people and uh you know, it seems to me that uh, when we have a conversation about what's really wrong, not what they'd like you to believe is wrong, people get engaged. They get hooked on the conversation and they really see where things need to be improved. Well, and that right there, you're, you you hit the nail on the head, Greg, because what, what did you say? You go out and you actually talk to the person and you figure out what it is that they actually need solved versus what they've been told they need solved. Right. And And that's. That's rearing its ugly head right now, especially post-pandemic, which we are essentially in this kind of post-pandemic world, I think, now. I mean, 
goodness, folks, if you have the option to get either vaccinated or your booster or stay locked down forever, put your mask on, double mask, whatever you got to do, do what you got to do. But um, we are going towards this post pandemic world and people are starting to see that. I think actually it was Gallup just had a poll come out, Greg, that it showed for the first time uh, in, in I think it was over two years, Americans now flipped back to saying government's taken too much role and we need to revert that back to small businesses and individuals and, and get the government less out of our lives. That's a, a trend in the right direction. Yeah. And if we can start to talk to more of those people who are at least empathetic to that that discussion, mm-hmm. I think we have a very strong argument to them to say, hey, not only are we now somebody you can start to consider as a real alternative but now uh, we actually can help get the values you actually believe in into to real policy. And we're seeing the real implications of getting the strong, good policy into action in states like New Hampshire. Just had Carla Garrick on the show up from the free state up there, uh, specifically the free state project. Um, and just talking about the amazing advances that New Hampshire has taken. And because they have embraced this going out and truly electing those who are in in favor of actual liberty. And and I don't know if I'm wrong here talking out of turn, but Greg is, is Jack Chitterelli really, you know, a a real conservative rock rib Republican? No, he, he, if anything, he'd be more of a, a, what progressive leaning Republican. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. And um, actually uh, we have a, uh, a 30 second spot that's going to be airing on the radio stations in the area here soon. And um, basically we have a crony capitalist on the left with Murphy and a career politician on the right with Gitarelli. I mean, he's been around for decades and yet nobody knew who he was. Right. And everybody says, who is he? Right. And that's because he hasn't accomplished anything in all those years. He was one of several who just keep going, you know, for whatever can serve their own interest instead of the interests of the people. So that's another reason why, you know, if we talk about like, you know, why, why now, why governor, all this, you know, like what's the timing like? I think you hit it on the head before that in terms of the wave of uh, sentiment leaning back towards small government. I think uh, it's playing right into our wheelhouse and um, out of actually including a couple of other independent candidates out of five candidates on the ballot, we're the only small government option. Everybody else is big government. And well, like we also like to say, the leading cause of death over the course of human history has been big government. And and we're the only alternative to that where we can really get back to what was intended when this country was established with a plan that, I mean, I've never seen a better plan than what the founding fathers envisioned, at least in, uh, in theory. Well, talking about getting things back away from government, we've seen a big influx right now of parents standing up and saying, get government out of our kids' education. Um, And we've seen a big push from uh, especially the uh, more school choice uh, oriented folks like Corey DeAngelis fighting the good fight, funding students, not systems. And uh, right there, I think we're seeing a growing sentiment, especially since you were last in the uh, program back in April of this uh, this year. Greg, what's the conversations that you're having with parents right now? Are, are you seeing them starting to embrace the idea of maybe voting for a libertarian candidate? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of, uh, I'll call call them uh, converts that have come over to us. Um, they've given up hope. I mean, the best that Chitterelli has talked about on that end has been more exemptions. We say no mandates to begin with. And uh, in fact, I've pledged to make that you know, something illegal and banning it from the governor's power going forward if I should be elected. 
Gotcha. That's, I think that's the only solution. And uh, among my uh, roughly 100 uh, campaign stops this year, I've been out a lot. Uh, many have been to Board of Education meetings all up and down the state. And it's all been the same thing. I mean, I've gotten up and spoken to the boards on behalf of the parents in the room. And, uh, you know, we talk about that they they should at least, you know, send something to Murphy's office to complain about, you know, the situation with the school masks and that, uh, you know, they should ask him to reconsider because of the negative health effects and really the benefits are minimal or non-existent. And, uh, the parents, I mean, they tear up all the time when I when I go to those meetings because it's one thing for an angry parent to to yell and scream at the board. And by the way, the, this whole thing about like oh they're getting uh, you know out of control that's nonsense. Um, you know they're they are extremely professional and civil in their attitude, but they're just upset when they when they hear my speech. I mean, basically those parents they don't want to say no one's allowed to wear masks because that would be a reverse mandate, right? Everybody should have their own choice. And that that's really central to our platform is that, I mean, all the mask, the vaccine, that's defensive. It's not offensive protection. So, you know, you and the science bears that out. So we really need to give each family the choices for their kids for all those things. And then on the school choice side, I mean, that's just grown bigger and bigger because the more Murphy, especially, you know, issues the heavy handed, uh, you know, mandates. Parents are pulling out kids out of school. They're, a lot of them have already pulled the kids out of school and school choice is a perfect option for them because we emphasize throughout the whole year. It's where the funding follows the student, much like you mentioned earlier. So, you know, we have a situation where, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, the schools in the public system need to have something to worry about in terms of their performance and that is competitors something that will push them to be better or fall behind and if a school system just will not improve because they're so used to not having any competition and they don't you know worry about it well they're going to find themselves out of business and just like the private sector i mean that's how come the private sector works so much better than the than the uh, government and uh and we have to put government not just in this area, actually in several areas, but this is a highlight this year that's become magnified. They have to be in a competitive environment with level playing field and and earn their funding by outdoing the others. Greg, when you're talking to parents, <clears throat> what are their fears when they see where the, the current system has been going? Because I hear it. I've had Corey on the show. I've had Tiffany Justice from uh, Moms for Liberty in the show, Carrie McDonald from Fee. And I've heard, you know, some of the stories they tell. But, you know, here in New Jersey, why are parents so afraid that if things don't change, that it'll really negatively impact their kids? Well, there's two things. <clears throat> Primarily, uh, I mean, they they worry in the immediate term about the negative health effects of the masks and the uncertainty of health effects from the vaccine at this point it's still very early stages uh that's something that's coming up soon because they're just getting to the point of something for the younger children for the vaccines but for the masks uh keeping in all of that stuff that they're breathing out and is supposed to go away from them uh inside a mask i mean they're getting they're getting respiratory infections they're getting rashes from the masks and the, the younger kids especially i mean 
you know, they're, they're not going to be able to just, you know, properly wear the mask all day. I mean, if it's, you know, irritating or whatever, it's going to be all over the place. It's not going to do any good. It just, and it simply doesn't. So that's one issue where the parents are concerned in terms of, you know, you're hurting my child physically right now. The other part is the mental, emotional impacts of the masks. It's the compliance. It's the lack of, you know, individual rights, uh, where a lot of parents are worried about that too, that they're being conditioned, the children, to be willing to give up all those rights at the drop of a hat. And once they're gone, I mean, they're not going to come back. And that's the thing. I mean, the, the government people now in power who self-serve, and they want, you know, by the next generation, that they're not even aware that they even had any of these rights. And, um, you know, just being able to stand up and say that, you know, this is nonsense. I mean, the, the data, you know, our biostatistician on our staff is uh, very, uh, you know, well-respected and published regularly. Uh, she's confirmed. Yeah. I mean, uh, reading all the CDC data, in fact, not, uh, not any other massaged source, but um, there, you know, the data is clear that the masks are not doing anything, you know, to improve the situation and uh, and with these negative effects, it's really a no-brainer that it should be a voluntary requirement. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> In other words, that's an oxymoron. But um, everybody should have the choice. I mean, if you do want to put your, your kid in a mask, I mean, that's fine with us. But um, if the uh, other parent, you know, some other parents don't want that, that should be just fine because, you know what, health-wise, actually, they're going to be better off. So how how can we now take this? Because parents are going to hear this and they're going to say, I like this, Greg. And I guess, you know, if I give you my vote, what would it look like? What would the administration do to help facilitate, you know, us, the parents, taking more of our kids' education uh, and their futures back into our hands versus the states? So, you know, first of all, we would institute the idea of the school choice and um, make sure that there is funding following the student, which will then enable the kinds of alternatives that we would want in competition. So um, some people right now are doing the homeschooling. Well, they should get the funding for their supplies and the teachers and whatever else from the government funding that is you know, uh, generated from the taxes toward that, uh, as opposed to the public school in the district that they're in. So <clears throat> once we redirect that, then things can be established and grow sort of, you know, grassroots growth of, of other school alternatives. And, and also, by the way, I mean, we are talking about charters and private schools that are also in the area. I mean, if there's a private school where some of the funding, if it's equal among all the children, would enable some parents to bridge the gap with what they can afford and put them into a school that they think is more competitive, it can be an existing school also. But also we'll have a chance to have true competition in terms of lower barriers to entry and having those new schools also prop up and also um, the uh, I should say crop up and uh, the teachers who will do the homeschooling in, in pods or whatever else. I mean, they're they're going to be also looking at uh, you know, eventually having a facility that's uh, stronger for that. And then uh, the, the question will be you know, about the uh, other extracurricular activities. Those will have to develop over time as well. I mean, we're talking about generally a decentralization. And um, so there are pieces that will take more time in terms of getting them you know, 
ironed out. I mean, I think, for example, school sports, you know, children who are excelling at that and want to continue. Uh, I mean, it's hard in a homeschool sen- scenario, certainly where there's only a handful of uh, students, uh, unless we have either the existing school team still allow people from the district, even if they're not in that uh, school as, you know, as a student. And we've seen that with some of the, um, the magnet schools, actually. They had uh, the students would go back to their school district to participate in the sports teams uh, from the public school at this point, at least. But um, as this changes over time, if we can start implementing this, you know, as schools grow, they could have their own team. And um, now if they have the funding then to be able to supply, for example, you know, good coaches, all this other stuff, then more kids will be drawn to it too for that purpose. So all, all the things will take some time to fully change around to where the, the schools that aren't performing as they need to, you know, sort of are shaken out of the system and new schools develop and become strong and, and notoriously good schools. Uh, but it's a question of redirecting the money first as an implementation measure and then enabling the rest of the changes to fall in line in an implementation phase. Speaking of big changes, I know one thing that we've seen here just predominantly in the Northeast is people leaving in mass. And I would say, especially I almost said it predominantly because, but no, especially because of how just insane the state and local governments have reacted in response to COVID-19. And I mean, heck I'm here in Philly. We still see restrictions, regulations and mass. We have, uh, you know, our, our basically vaccine passport, requirements now in order to go to different restaurants in, in downtown Philadelphia. So you know, it's it's happening here all over the Northeast. And people are starting to, to say, well, you know, this is impacting my business. It's 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 making customers go elsewhere. They go outside of the, the Northeast or they're just leaving altogether. And it's hurting these in, entire communities and their businesses, Greg. So what would that look like differently for a, a voter if we were to have someone like a Greg Neely as governor of, uh, of New Jersey versus the Republican or Democratic candidates? Well, I mean, I've, I've said actually a couple of times along the way this year, uh, it seems to me that um, the vaccine status, that kind of thing, it's to the point it needs to be a protected class under the Civil Rights Act, just like you know, uh, sex, religion, you know, all, race, all, the, all these things. Uh, it's gotten to that point. Uh, because of the pressure that the current government is trying to put put on everyone, state and federal level, uh, I mean they're they're really eliminating opportunities and other life options. That's ex- incredibly discriminatory. So uh, in one respect, it has to be addressed at that level to say that things like the vaccine passports. I mean that's that's just ridiculous. I mean you might as well tattoo your wrists and. and go back to Germany, right? I mean, this is where we're headed in terms of the philosophy here. And this is terrible. You know, this is so proven throughout history without exception that this is a bad idea. And just the idea of, you know, differentiating at that level on a a personal choice. And I've always said, you know, personal and medical decisions between the individual and if it's medical decision and their doctor, and if it's a child, their parent, that's it. Nobody else should be involved in that decision. So if we have something where, okay, 
you can't get a job in these 20 states because you're not vaccinated, for example. I mean, that would be ridiculous that that it goes against the core of everything else that everyone has fought for and all the other protected classes to be free from. And that's what we need to do with this. We need to make sure that everyone everyone understands that this is where we're headed and this is not a good thing. This is proven throughout history and we can't go back like that. So we have about five minutes or so left in the show, Greg. And what I want to do for the tail end is to focus on the people you've been having a lot of success in connecting with. And thus far, from what I've heard in our conversations, have, have been small business owners, um, but also parents. And, and I would love to hear what you're finding is the best means to enter into those conversations. Or are they the ones entering into the conversation with you asking, how can you help? Well, I mean, certainly we do uh, a lot of outreach to try to connect with people. Uh, some folks have been spreading the word and other groups have been asking us to get involved in you know, coming to, com- to meetings, having conversations with people, getting more background on what they're facing directly. I mean, for, for the small business, I mean, one thing, of course, that uh, helps is unlike my two opponents, I um, have been a small business owner for now it's 19 years. And, um, you know, I'm feeling some of the same pain that they are. And um, now it's time to say, well, you know, this is really the driver of the economy. And I mean, with with some economic background, I would tell you that uh, you know, this is the key area to support, not to burden at every level. I mean, basically, you know, all the taxes on the small business to redistribute to the people who aren't working basically pulls more people down and doesn't really lift anyone up because the people who are given a fish every day, as soon as the fish runs out, they're not, they're not going to know what to do and they haven't been taught how to fish. This is a basic principle behind our plans for small business and for workers looking to get back into the workforce. Everything should be about enabling people to be self-sufficient. Well, you know, that's something that terrifies everyone in government now on both sides of the aisle otherwise. So, that's one thing where, <clears throat> you know, I can I can connect and sympathize with you know, all of the small businesses that are struggling. And I mean, with Murphy's, you know, uh, with Murphy's uh, establishment uh, politics here, he has basically exponentially grown the wealth gap. He's eliminating the middle class and now we've got the super wealthy and then all the rest of us at the bottom of the pile. So um, we need to fight that back and say that uh, we have to have a vibrant middle class and small business community. And um, yeah, you know, I, when I talk to folks, uh, you know, they understand and I understand the same language uh, with small business community. So we have to really push hard for that. Um, otherwise, as far as the parents, it's really <clears throat> just getting out there and seeing that someone is affected by what's happening to them. <clears throat> and it's not not just them. They're not alone. I would tell you that uh, many parents did feel alone. And then suddenly, you know, oh, here's someone who is willing to stand up. And I mean, I I don't have small children. My, my two girls are on one year on either side of 30. And um, actually, I just became a grandpa earlier this year in June. So I do have something to worry about, I guess, a few years from now in terms of schools. But um, in general, I think uh, you know the main issue for the parents is you know, we have these concerns and it seems like 
they're being shut down and no one wants to hear it. And then suddenly they have someone at least who's standing up and speaking up for them because I also understand what it is to be a parent of small children and what it means to raise them a certain way and, and not to be you know, psychologically in a mental prison of thinking that they don't have any freedom and they really have to comply with everything. I mean, freedom, of course, is our watchword in our party. So you know, that's that's really what's important. And all things goes back to sales because what, Greg, you, you can speak to people and show, yeah, I have walked in your shoes. And, and that is, at the end of the day, what people are looking for when they're looking to talk to somebody who can help them on the buying process is someone that they can relate to. They can look at and say, not only do I know, like, and trust you, but I understand that you are being 1000% authentically you in your understanding of my problem because you've likely experienced my problem. And, and that's who people I think are looking for right now beyond just the traditional two party system. And it's why it's so important for us to have candidates like you standing up and uh, yes, giving people a real choice, uh, especially here in state of New Jersey. There we go. Uh, Greg Mealy, uh, that being said, of course, for our audio listener, we want them to be able to go ahead and follow you and learn more. And of course, continue the conversation. Where can they go ahead and do that? Well, to uh, contact us, the best place is the website, www.mealyforgovernor.com. And it's M-E-L-E-F-O-R governor.com. Uh, you can submit uh, to be on you know, email messages. You can, you can, send a message to offer to volunteer. Of course, you could donate if you uh, have the means and um, you know you can find out answers to all your questions. We have a, our platform up on the site, of course, but if you have a particular question, we will get back to you. Greg Mealy, as always, thanks for joining the program. And folks, if you want to go ahead again and continue the conversation, I'll make it easy for you. Click the artwork there in your podcast catch. It'll bring you right to the Brian Nichols Show website where you can go ahead and find not only Greg's conversation today, but also all 370 plus episodes of The Brian Nichols Show, plus all audio transcriptions. With that being said, Greg Mealy, thanks for joining the program. Thanks so much, Brian. Again, it was my pleasure. Who doesn't like going out and having a glass of wine and celebrating liberty? Well, if you're in Alameda County, don't worry. I have an amazing event for you coming up on Sunday, October 3rd at 1 p.m., the 15th annual Wine and Liberty Celebration at Westover Vineyards Winery, sponsored by the Libertarian Party of Alameda County. Questions, email Elizabeth Stump, LPAC, Vice Chair at vicechair at lpac.us. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up our conversation with Greg Mealy. What a great conversation, as always. So thank you, Greg, for joining the show. And uh, folks, if you want to go ahead, number one, check out our first episode with Greg. Just go to BrianNicholsShow.com and search Greg Mealy in the search bar. It'll bring you right to the last episode from April of 2021. Uh, and also, folks, if you want to go ahead and continue the conversation with Greg today, we'll go ahead and make sure you click the artwork in your podcast catcher. It'll bring you right to BrianNicholsShow.com specifically to today's episode where you can find all of Greg's social media as well as a transcript for today's entire episode. And of course, if you enjoy the episode, please do me a favor and make sure you go ahead and give it a share. And when you do, go ahead and give Greg a tag and give yours truly a tag as well. Uh, Otherwise, folks, with that being said, coming up on Monday, yes, tomorrow, the man, the myth, the legend, I'll say it once, I'll say it again, the professor is in the house. Chris Goizetta returns to the program and we are talking all things Twitch. Yes, 
Strap in, Twitch, if you have not been paying attention, like me, Twitch is one of the most, uh, it, number one, growing mediums for video content, but also a great chance for content creators to go ahead and monetize their content. Chris is going to go ahead and talk to us why if you are not on Twitch, you need to be paying attention. So make sure you've hit that subscribe button so you're not missing a single time we go live here on The Brian Nichols Show. Yes, seven days a week. Make sure it's in your podcast feed. That being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off. You're on The Brian Nichols Show for Greg Mealy. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.